giving my opinion and people actually listen to it or ask just generally asking for it during class and especially coming from teachers were something that made me feel really included. I think it's nice because you get to know uh, other cultures. It's not just learning content, it's not just about academics, but it's also about the entire framework that needs to be set up in a way that everybody can follow along and is on the same page. Hello, and welcome to the Student Journey podcast, a collaboration between the University of Groningen, the Hanse University of Applied Sciences in Groningen, and NHL Stenden in Leeuwarden, all located in the north of the Netherlands. We'll focus on why our students chose to study at an international university, what it means to be an international student, whether a diverse environment also means inclusion, and what students need and can expect from their teachers. Our discussions will also include soundbites and quotes from various experts and teachers from the different universities. My name is Isidora Jurišić, and I'll be your moderator for this podcast. Today's episode will be about the first part of the student journey, from home to the unknown. So it's about arrival and pre-arrival. Subtopics include the why of internationalization, pre-arrival expectations, and the arrival experience. So now that we've got that out of the way, <laughs> we can go ahead. Okay. So uh, I would like uh, everyone just to first introduce themselves so that we are all acquainted and that we know each other. Uh, you can also share uh, your pronouns or if you want to be called by a nickname or something like that, that you're more comfortable with, That al that's also okay. Shall we start from the left, go to the right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hi, my name is Britta. I am originally from Germany. I'm 25 years old and I'm a second year student at Hansa Hogeschool and I study international business. Hi, everyone. My name is Nicoleta. You can also call me Nico. Um, I'm from Romania. Uh, I will turn 20 in a couple of days and I study European languages and culture at the University of Groningen. Well, uh, hi, I'm uh, Dennis. I'm from Overijssel, the Netherlands, and I study in my, f I'm in my first year of European studies in uh, NHL Stende, Leeuwarden. Well, since everyone introduced themselves, I might as well introduce myself as well. So uh, I'm Isidora. I'm the moderator of this podcast. And uh, yeah, I am... 24 years old, right? Yes, that's my age. Uh, and I work at the University of Hrdinger on a project called Summer and Winter Schools. Okay, so uh, I think that we can kind of start to kind of go into the why of internationalization and really start at the very beginning. So my first question is, why have you chosen to study in an international program or to seek an international experience? So what, what I'm really looking for here is what motivated you to seek out an international experience to sort of involve yourself in an international environment with peers from all over the world? Well, to me, it was really, it was really two questions or two different decisions that made me enter an international program. So for one, it was my previous international experience, which was um, a high school year abroad in Kansas City, Missouri in the U.S. when I was 17. So I stayed for almost a year with a host family on a different continent in a new culture. Um, yeah, I went to, went to high school as a senior and really got thrown into a new culture, new perspective, different life, total different life from what I was used to. And that had me look not only into a new situation or a new life, but also forced me to look at my own culture and the way I was raised from literally the outside. And I think that's when I started to fall in love um, being surrounded by people that were, well, different, raised different, or lived in a different culture um, speak different languages from what I speak. And then a second um, international experience was uh, a voluntary service year that I did when I was 18 um, that was actually in Germany. So it didn't take me um, uh, to be physically away from home to have an international experience. And we would, I would work at a seminar hotel where we hosted a bunch of youngsters Uh, in bilateral, at least, uh, but usually multilateral, 
youth meetings where we would discuss certain topics such as climate change, democracy, voting rights, all of that kind of stuff um, at, at home, in my home country, but in a total um, international setting with Spanish kids, uh, kids from Sweden, Poland, England, all over the place. So that was really the point in time where I realized, okay, I don't have to be far away from home to have an international experience. Okay. Well, thank you. We can move on, I think. So I think for me it was always more like a combination, uh, living in a society where you kind of, ever since you're young, you feel like you don't fit in exactly and you love the culture, you love the people, but you just know it's not exactly meant for you. And then experiencing when I was in high school, I did a, an Erasmus project for two weeks and it was between Romania, Bulgaria and North Macedonia and we did it in Bulgaria. And we went to different schools and talked about bullying and how to help people uh, deal with that. But the environment overall and all the activities that we did, even with the kids at schools, but with ourselves and as a group, made me realize that that's what I want to do. I want to be surrounded by different cultures, by people from all over the world with different backgrounds. And then I came back and I started thinking about this more. Maybe I can actually go and do that myself at the university. And I think getting out of my comfort zone was something that I had to understand that it would be better for myself in the future. Of course, it was scary because getting out of the comfort zone is always something that you don't know if it's going to be the right choice or not. But overall, being fascinated by the idea that people can come together from different backgrounds and have different cultures, but still work together as a group and fit in just perfectly fine, fascinated me for a very long time. And I want to experience that myself. So, yeah, it was a, a combination of different factors, I think. But so far, it was the best decision ever. <laughs> May I just also ask how long you've been here? Uh, this is actually my first year here. I came last year to visit, which was also my first time visiting the Netherlands. But so far, I think I have 10 months here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. I don't have uh, that much big of a story uh, as you guys. But uh, I just started my year uh, with internationalization uh, in the study of European studies. But yeah. It's just it wasn't a choice for me. It was uh, I was in high school. I did not know uh, what didn't know what I wanted to do. So I was looking for nice studies, and yeah, European studies came uh, on my path. Yeah, at first I really thought it was a bit weird because yeah, you don't know the cultures and uh, all that kind of stuff. Stuff, but my in my second period, you uh, in my study, you really uh, got to learn a lot about cultures, and then you already uh, came to the. Uh, point that you already had to uh, understand the cultures and then you see uh, that everywhere around the world world everything is different uh, from uh, yeah, the Netherlands and uh, yeah it's nice to know yeah. Yeah. it's nice to know but then also what Nico said it's it's still fascinating how you how you're so different but it still yeah. works out yeah. Yeah. and you still exactly. get along and yeah. you still have you still build up friendships and work yeah. perfectly together or maybe even better than with peers from the same culture or the same yeah. the same circle right. the same country you realize that yeah. you fit in perfectly fine it, with it people that out. you would never thought yeah. because you're completely different yeah. and not just the background and the culture like everything your entire life was different and now you came all together and it's it mesmerizing you how yeah. the groups that you have the friends that you have back home are just something that would never top this sometimes yeah, it's it's different. Yeah, because yes. it's a different experience. Yes. So the things that you might do with the people that you do from your culture and from your country might not always be exactly as those that you do here. As I mentioned earlier, we would like to play for you some sound bites from conversations we have had with experts and teachers working at the participating institutions of this podcast on this topic. We are wondering whether their perspectives match yours, the students. We can now listen to our first expert, Marcel van der Poel, who's a senior lecturer and researcher at Hunza University of Applied Sciences. For our listeners, more information on our experts and teachers can be found in the description of this episode. 
unfortunately, what we sometimes see is that it is at institutes by managers and faculty alike, um, it is reduced to a single aspect. Sometimes we concentrate on just a language or we concentrate on just counting the number of nationalities in the international classroom. But internationalization, in my understanding, is really much bigger than that. And that could make it important by using its full potential. So using all the frames of references that are in present in the classroom, the different perspectives that are present in the classroom, um, using these multiple perspectives, uh, checking the relevance of different views. Um, I think internationalization can also drive innovation by making use of these differences. And that is what makes it important. It makes it important um, because the world, as I see it, is international. And we are global citizens, whether we like it or not. So we better make sure that we prepare our students to be a global citizen and practice as much as they can in the classroom. Okay. Uh, so now that we've listened to that soundbite, and it kind of, I would say, related to what you were discussing previously, uh, I want to know maybe how you, how you heard that. So what it resonated with in you. We, we talk about we talk a lot about being a global citizen and that we have to all understand each other and have to arrange ourselves with each other but sometimes it's um, it's lacking a bit of okay we are global citizens and we do all have the same we share the, the same global issues um, but sometimes we do need to balance it out with the individually individual, person bringing their own culture into into perspective and respecting each other's culture and where we're from we cannot always override um, somebody coming from let's say an Asian country or South America or something um, and tell them no this is not how it works we need to see it globally no we, we still do have to respect everybody's individual um, individual cultures and, and values and all of that um yeah i i do agree in certain aspects with marcel yeah what i'm kind of picking up that, that you are saying is also that it's really important also to just recognize our differences and to recognize our backgrounds because that is really what enriches the discussions yeah is that what i'm picking up on yes and i feel like internationalization well, it should not be be that everybody is just the same or that everybody thinks the same. No, it, it, it gets stronger or better with every single aspect that everybody is contributing to it. We do have to find common grounds, yes, but we also need to cherish and respect every every aspect that comes into play. Yeah. And maybe uh, my next question to that would be how can we... Um, how can we accomplish that in a classroom setting? So what can we do in order to, in a way, make that possible in our classrooms, no matter what we are studying? Um, I think I um, I have uh, some perspective on this. I think uh, also regarding the differences that were talked about, maybe understanding, for example, that's something that I lived and I experienced, uh, understanding the difference between the educational systems. And if you take, for example, the Western European system, educational system compared to the Eastern European system, here we have an active learning system, where in Eastern Europe we have a passive active system, um, a passive learning system, sorry. And um, I, I experienced both of them. And coming here, you kind of are prepared to the active system, but you don't know exactly how that's going to be. You don't know how you're going to switch from one to another. So in theory, we all know that it's going to happen and not just as a student, but also teachers and uh, in general people. But when you do actually start university and, and you actually switch, it's kind of it has an impact on your work, on your personal life, because you don't know, am I doing this right? Is it is it how it's supposed to be? So learning the difference, but also maybe the the environment, the class, the university staff and teachers could help more on that part. 
Because if you have somebody that teaches you exactly what is right in the system and how what's the difference, it, it can be easier for you. You don't have to question every step that you make and think to go back to the way it was in the passive system. Thank you. I actually think we do have a very relevant soundbite to this. Um, but before we do that, I, I would like to also ask Dennis if you yeah. have something to contribute. Yeah, I uh, really like the fact that he mentioned uh, that we only look at the la language uh, when we're talking about international internationalization. Because uh, in the first few, few weeks when I started my uh, study, I was really like, oh, you're from there, so you're speaking this language. And I was only looking at the language. But as you go on with your study and a few months in and you start with projects, you really get to know the people and how they work on projects. And I was like, oh, but I wouldn't do it like this or I, I really don't like it or you're so slow with uh, everything. But yeah, you really don't think about it when you uh, start to study about how they do the things different. Thank you. Thank you very much. This time we'll hear Carol Fuller, who's a lecturer in academic English at the Faculty of Arts at the University of Groningen. I think that uh, working as a teacher in an international classroom has been a process for me of realizing more and more how unrealistic some of my expectations as a teacher are. So I think that we often expect students to come in on the same page as us. They would have the same expectations of how a class is run, how a course is run, how the grading is done, how much work they should do inside and outside of class, how they should behave. We have all of these expectations that come from our own cultural background and our context of uh, our teaching experience. I think it's important as a teacher to understand, to, to recognize those expectations I'm bringing. They're often at the root of a mismatch with the student or a, a challenge with the student. Um, in the classroom, that can mean, for example, that I need to explicitly describe the grading system. I need to be very clear about how that matches up with the rubric that I'm using. I uh, can provide some some cultural context to what words in the rubric mean, like good or very good, which are not the same in every culture, as well, of course, as the numbers grading system being different. It really touches, I think, upon uh, what you specifically mentioned, Nicoletta. So, but I would like to hear a little bit your, uh, how again, how you heard that and how it relates to your experience um, and your background. A team is only as strong as its weakest link. And I think that counts just as well for a classroom. Um, just imagine yourself back into high school days, even though you speak the same language as your teacher and your peers, and you were raised in this educational system for years, there's still going to be students in a classroom that just don't get it, that just fall behind, that just misunderstand assignments quizzes, tests, whatever contents, it still happens. Now that, imagine that in a classroom where not even the setup is something that you're used to. We all come here with a different, as Nicoletta said, with a different experience from at home, that the way of teaching is very, very different for each of us. So no wonder that you have to start from the very beginning and communicate very, very clearly what you mean. So if a teacher says, well, if 5.5 is is a pass, well, then I have to think, okay, well, my grading system goes from from one to six and six is the worst and one is the best and here 10 is the best. And wh what are we even talking about? We have to start at zero. And that is something, aside from just the content that we all have to get used to and all have to deal with. It's not It's not just learning content. It's not just about academics, but it's also about the entire framework that needs to be set up in a way that everybody can follow along and is on the same page. Yeah, well, you mentioned uh, all the systems are uh, different everywhere, but it's very funny because in the first uh, exam period, we always also had to uh, explain everything to our international students <laughs> about how it works and uh, that you have to... Uh, uh, write in for your uh, exams and all that stuff. Can I just ask also um, from your kind of perspective, so when you entered university, it was, was it 
clear to you how the grading system worked? Was it clear to you how it worked based to on previous? To me, it was because uh, I have a brother who also is uh, in the university. So I already heard stories about how it goes. Okay. And did you see then that there was quite a lot of difference in how uh, your peers saw the grading system and also just how their progress looked like in their studies? And then how could you maybe relate to that experience of theirs or could you not relate at all? Mm, yeah, no, not really. No, I just uh, thought it was, uh, yeah, it, 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 it is like this and I already know it was like this. So for me, it was not very difficult. Yeah, um, also I um, had the pleasure of having Carol as my teacher and I experienced one of those uh, moments when um, she gave me a grade but I still couldn't understand the feedback because uh, here everything works with, with a rubric and I was really anxious about going and asking her because I was taught in the passive system that you get the points, you get the grade, you don't get the question exactly how that works. But with the rubric, you you don't exactly understand how the points go and how the grade is done. So I was really anxious about going there and asking her, okay, I understand, but what can I do to make it better next time? And she was really sweet and helped me. And the fact that she was so helpful and she was okay with the whole situation of me being confused and not understanding the rubric was really shocking to me because I was expecting for me to come out as rude or maybe unpolite. And I was really anxious about that. And she was amazing. She explained everything. She explained how the rubric works, how the grading works. And that was something that I saw for the first time, somebody understanding that I come from a different environment. I come from a different uh, educational system. And working with her on that perspective was really helpful for me for the rest of my courses too. I had a kind of thought when we were, when you guys were discussing this on, okay, the grading system is sort of one thing, but I am also thinking about, you know, the way that you give feedback and then perceive feedback. So uh, have you maybe noticed some kind of, yeah, differences uh, in how different students with different backgrounds perceive feedback Uh and also maybe have you seen how in your past experiences you used to perceive feedback differently, but now you perceive it, yeah, in a certain way? Has that changed? Yeah. Also, how teachers give feedback. What have you noticed in that? I think uh, I can still relate on this part. And also, as far as I talk with other uh, Eastern European colleagues, uh, the idea of receiving a feedback and then still be able to ask something in return or wanted to make it more clear is again completely different because you don't quite get to do that a lot in the passive learning system and also giving feedback was really confusing at first because you come from an environment where you're not taught but you get used to the idea that is really my opinion that important or are you seriously going to take it serious and you just, at first, you just think that people are just very polite here and they ask that, but they don't actually care. And it, it took me a while to understand that uh, the feedback I, that I do give and not that I only receive, it's genuinely taking into consideration. And I had a lot of uh, conversations with uh, colleagues from Western Europe who are so used to that and like, of, of course, they ask of our feedback. And, like, we have to give something very reliable so they can take into consideration and colleagues from eastern europe who just yeah i'll say something it's not that they actually are going to listen about what i'm saying because they're they are used to the idea that you as a student giving a feedback is not as important as a teacher giving a feedback i i absolutely agree with you and additionally it comes into play that well, not only your peers are international and use different backgrounds, but also your teachers are, yeah. at least for me. I don't <laughs> yeah, know yeah. how it is for you. But I mean, also my teachers are from all over the world. I mean, I would say the majority is Dutch. Mm -hmm. But still, I do have a couple of, of teachers that are from Asian countries, from Canada, from all over the place. So the way they ask you to to give feedback or the way they give feedback to you is it also differs so it's a yeah there's a, yeah. there's various 
approaches on, on giving and receiving feedback. But generally, um, it's a more, yeah, open approach and more of a not teacher students and I lecture you and I stand in front of you and tell you something and then you go home and deal with it. It's more of a it's more of a coaching feeling for us. I think we can uh, also move on a bit to the next questions that we have. And I would kind of like to move on to the section about your actual arrival. So when you actually arrived um, into university. Um, so my question is, what were your first impressions and what were or still are the challenges that you face? So I'm curious about this. And also, um, yeah, it, you already might have mentioned some of these things as we were going. But uh, yeah, maybe we can start from the right and then go to the left. So just to switch it yes. up a bit. Um, I think for me, it's uh, mostly difficult to work in projects with uh, international people because you have other cultures. And uh, for me, uh, it's mostly uh, people that don't do their work on time or something. Because for me, it is like when we set a deadline, you have to be, uh, get it done on the deadline and not after. So that's the challenge I uh, have the most. Would you say that that is something that comes as a product of working with people who perceive education differently because of their backgrounds or uh, maybe is i really don't know but it's uh sometimes uh people uh from spain are more relaxed and like oh the deadline but we can also do it afterwards and it's not that it's bad or something but it's just something i'm not used to and i'm like oh deadline so bam we have to get it done in response to what you were just saying, we have another soundbite from our expert, Marcel van der Poel, from the Hanse University of Applied Sciences. Preparing before is not all that easy, other than uh, making sure that in all your information that you share and that you make available, that you are very clear. Uh, I think students in general, but international students but, uh, in particular, are helped with clarity on what the program is about, uh, what the learning outcomes uh, we are trying to achieve, what kind of support mechanisms uh, may be in place, may be available to them. If they may have difficulty with language, could they then get support in acquiring uh, or uh, improving their language proficiency? So I think it boils down to our institutes to be very clear what the student can expect. And that uh, is um, a way of checking this information and getting additional information if needed. And on arrival, I think the same is true. It really boils down to support mechanisms. And students will, uh, will come from different learning backgrounds, um, different uh, educational systems. So if they need to get information about the educational system here, they should be able to find it and to get it. And the same may uh, apply to housing, uh, social activities, etc. So it is not just the, the, the formal curriculum, the program. It's also about the informal curriculum, so the social activities. It's even about the hidden curriculum, the, the, un, the unset expectations um, that, that uh, institutes can become more clear so um, I think that uh, kind of what Marcel was saying about uh, kind of the expectations that um, are set by institutions for students to kind of adapt to in a way, or maybe uh, teachers and institutions expect for us to sort of be prepared uh, for uh, university. And I think it kind of might build upon what you were kind of saying in a way. So I think what my question is, um, is how do you think that maybe institutions can maybe adjust their expectations or how can we prepare students who are maybe not so comfortable or not so familiar with the systems that they are now getting into? Um, how can we prepare them for that? Yeah, um, 
maybe it's our idea to uh, just let people uh, talk to uh, second year students or international students or something like that. Or just in the few, first few weeks, uh, let them talk with their fellow Dutch uh, people uh, who are also following the study and uh, ask them how they do, but maybe the first years also don't know how they have to do. So, no. I think uh, the, the second year uh, introduction of, or explanation will be the best. So more so from students who are already a little bit further along in their studies yeah. and have experience. Would you say that this is Dutch students or would you say that this is international people? It doesn't have to be Dutch students, but maybe that makes it easier. But yeah, no. Yeah, I think it, the best will be uh, Dutch students because they already uh, know how to, uh, uh, knew how to ask uh, other people about how it goes. So maybe, yeah. I think Dutch people would be would be the best. Yeah, I agree with what Dennis said, but I also think that uh, talking also with uh, international students could help because they are the ones moving as you are yeah. from. That's a, true. Yeah, a, a maybe that's also yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think it it's supposed to be a combination: international students and Dutch students, because you get perspectives from people who are exactly like you, who have been in your situation before, and you get also the perspective from people who are from here. So it, it would be a good combination, I think. Yeah. To, to add something, um, it's not only, and that's something what Marcel um, mentioned as well, it's not only upon arrival and once you started your program then you get kind of some like somebody like a like a buddy program or association study association whatever that um form a sort of uh, support system for you but even pre-arrival because things like uh, things outside of the curriculum such as housing and what do i do in my free time and how how do i even get places how where do i get a bike i get here i land in a in a foreign country, and now what? <laughs> now I'm at a train station or at an airport. Um, where do I go and how? How does how do trains work? How do buses work? Where do I get a bike? All these kind of things. Those are things that need to be communicated before um, before you actually get here, because that's what scares people. So maybe you're saying like uh, just doing some uh, introduction of videos making for the international students yeah. pre-arrival, for example. Oh. Yeah. Some, some sort of communication and very clear instructions on, hey, this is, you might not even know what issues yeah. you will be facing, but let yeah. us give you a solution yeah. beforehand. That be nice. yeah. You don't know what you don't know, but we're telling you how to fix the problem. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of a, yeah, as like a, as like a handbook um, that helps you get here and, and, and settle yeah, I think something close to it would be the mentorship program, mm -hmm. but that gives you kind of an introduction and tips and tricks for just the, the academic experience. So maybe a program or some activities, uh, as you said, that would introduce you to actually the university life, but also moving abroad and especially for international students with housing and healthcare mm -hmm. and all the other things considered. Yeah. My next question, um, building up on what you were saying, is what does it mean to study in an inclusive learning environment? And what is needed to achieve this? So here we are really talking about maybe what an inclusive learning environment means for you and what it all includes. So how do you feel included in the learning environment? Maybe we can, how I would sort of think that I would answer this question or how I would think about it is have you felt included or what makes you feel included? What are maybe your first impressions or uh, maybe some challenges that you faced in regards to this? I think for me, uh, what made me feel really included and was um, the feedback and the fact that teachers want your opinion also. And even during seminars or not, not just lectures, seminars or any type of uh activity they they ask for your perspective they ask how do you consider things and even when you disagree you, you have the, actually the chance to disagree with them the idea of agree to disagree exists and it's actually put into practice here so that was something that made me real uh, very comfortable and 
felt like I was in a safe environment to actually speak my mind and not be, be just judge about it right away. We actually people looked at it from a critical perspective and they try to build up upon that. So yeah, for me, giving my opinion and people actually listening to it or ask just generally asking for it during class and especially coming from teachers were something that made me feel really included. Yeah, and and being being appreciated of what you do, right? It yeah. kind of gives you gives you the appreciation of hey, I I understand what it takes what it takes to be here for yeah. you, and we're all in the same boat. I mean, even even though half of my class in the first year was Dutch, yes, they they were not <laughs> international. Half of them were international, but the other half was just Dutch. Well, just Dutch. It sounds a bit weird, but it was just, <laughs> yeah. it's people from this country. Yeah. Um, it's still it's still a challenge it's still a challenge challenge and acknowledging what it takes every every one of us to be here is something that makes me feel safe as well and what is also very nice you when you get here you think okay i'm going to be the foreigner i'm going to be the one that people will look at and yeah. you'll be the one that is different from everybody but in fact We're all the foreigners. Yeah. <laughs> We're all different here, so you don't really, you don't really stand out in a negative way of being the different one. But we're different altogether, and I think that's what made me say feel safe in the classroom. Building up on what you were uh, talking about just now, uh, we have another quote from Marcel. Sense of belonging comes with uh, social activities, comes with being and feeling part of a community. As being recognized, it's also one of the very important things that we can also support from studies that teachers who see the individual students rather than a student as a representative of a certain nationality, they build stronger rapport with a student, they build stronger connections. Students want to be seen, want to be recognized for what they are. They are students with their opinions, with their beliefs, with their input, with their viewpoints. Um, so... That social recognition, I think, is key for learning, is key for being comfortable in, an, in an, a multicultural environment. Um, and the institutes may invest in, in supporting that. So, again, it, it boils down to the development of the educators, but also in the social structures uh, around our training um, and, and, and student associations being more open also to international students may also be something to that need to be looked into. So uh, does anyone maybe have anything to add to Marcel's quote or maybe is there something that specifically resonated for you and what he was saying that you have seen in your experience or would like to see in your experience? Uh, absolutely. Um, having Having a support system of people that are at least your age or our students as well is i think the the biggest most crucial factors that come into play when it when it comes to settling at a place before because before we get here Groningen is just a city it's not a home yet uh, no matter where you're from and in the first instance the people make you feel home you get attached to people you get attached to groups you're seeking for the sense of belonging somewhere and being at the right place. And um, by joining study associations, student associations, sport associations, uh, whatever there is, um, you connect with people and, and they make you feel home in, in the first place. And that what brings you comfort and safety. So uh, no matter how many support mechanisms a, an institution is introducing, it it always boils down to feeling home with peers more than you know finding peace with or finding safe a feeling of safety with institutional um, mechanisms so like there can there can be so many student support hotlines whatsapp chats groups to talk to if it's initiated by the school it always feels very formal it always feels very i'm going to talk to my teacher about my issues that kind of thing, um, while talking to your peers that eventually 
become your friends maybe or you get to do the sports that you that you used to do at home as well that's what makes you feel home in the first place and that's how you connect and that's how that's that's the time the point in time where a city turns into a home yeah i also i agree with what you said and i think that um As international students coming here, especially if you come alone and now with some friends or people that you know before, um, is something that you always struggle at the beginning, I think, because y- you have this thought back of your head, am I going to make friends and I'm going to have somebody to do my assignments with or just study for an exam and, or I'm going to just be alone and <laughs> that's it. And having someone and seeing that what you experience is the same with what they experience and your insecurities and your fears are valid because it's normal. It's the healthy way of coming abroad and starting a new life to, as you said, the unknown. And seeing other people going through the exact same thing and working with with each other to kind of develop that into your comfortable zone I think it's really important. So you can go to a study advisor, you can go talk with a mentor. Yeah, that helps. That absolutely, even for me, it was something that really made me understand the system better. But you always need people outside the institutions to to help you understand that you're not alone and to just make you generally feel safe. So basically you're saying it all starts with making friends. That's yeah. That's an important thing. Yeah. Very, yeah. very yeah. important, very important. Or just connections, you know, you're seeking so much for a sense of belonging. I don't know how you experienced it. Did you grow up far away from Groningen? Yeah, or? Okay. Uh, from Leeuwarden then. Ah, yeah, yeah. okay. So I live in uh, uh, Overijssel and mm-hmm. uh, Leeuwarden is in Friesland. Yeah. I have to travel very far. Oh, yeah. But yeah. in my first few uh, weeks, there was uh, a study association and uh, I joined them and it made me feel comfortable in uh, the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And is that an international association or is um, it mainly Dutch? No, it was uh, mainly Dutch, but uh, since this year, my study is also available for internationals. Mm -hmm. So since this year, it's really uh, now starting to get international uh, too. Okay. How how do you like that? I think it's nice because you get to know uh, other cultures in other uh, areas. So uh, when clubbing, Mm -hmm. you also get to know how uh, uh, Slovakian person is or a spanish person yeah yeah i think that's very nice yeah do you feel like because i it's very nice to hear that from your perspective do you feel like friendships can be as deep in in a different language say say english or it can be as deep with somebody from a different culture and then obviously yeah i think so i I really think so yeah okay no i really think so because yeah I think culture is uh, really important, but mostly uh, the connection yeah. is most important. It either clicks or it doesn't, yeah. right? Okay, and yeah. then it doesn't matter in what language No, you... it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you both don't speak uh, English as your first language, because for me, English is not my best language, mm-hmm. so it makes it more uh, difficult, but uh, yeah, it certainly is possible. Yeah, okay. It's good to hear. It's very, uh, very good to hear. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's also nice. It's kind of a, in a way, a common ground because, you know, even though you are studying, like these students are coming to study in a Dutch university, they're studying in English, which is not their first language, but it is also not a Dutch person's first language <laughs> when you think right. about yeah. it. So it's a kind of common ground. Yeah. So you get to learn from each other's experiences. So I think that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, I think we are sort of, Uh, coming towards a conclusion and here I would like to ask everyone sort of to give us kind of uh, either a takeaway message or something that is kind of on their wish list in a way so maybe uh, how I can place that in a question is what is the one wish you have to your institution so what is something that you wish was addressed more maybe or something that can be done about some of the issues that we talked about today i would um i would boil it down to everybody taking a step back looking at the the entire situation from the outside and realizing how much it takes for 
each individual to be in that certain situation. How much effort, energy, and nerves it sometimes takes for every single participant in that international classroom it takes to be there every day at, and work at their very best. Be it a Dutch student being in their, them being in their own country and realizing, okay, I'm at home, but why does it, why is it so different? Why are there so many people from all over the world? I should be at home, but yet this is so, this is so diverse and so different. I have to get used to that. Um, and the very egoistic sense of, do I want to share my culture? Like, do, do I want pe other people <laughs> enter my culture? Not in a, not a bad sense, but you know, yeah. you, you get very egoistic when it comes to your, your own values, your own culture. Um, then from the teacher's perspective of, okay, I, I know how to be a teacher. I know how to teach students um, it's a certain subject, sub subject, but not only on the academic side, but really having a, having a, having a team, having a cluster of, of young people, we, we just need to figure out a way how to get along and how to make this, how to make this work and be productive as well. And also, of course, for international students, um, realizing what it takes for them to be here, um, what what they all leave behind, what circumstances, friends, family, hobbies, yeah, right. routines, definitely, what all they leave behind in order to be here. Yeah. Needs to be appreciated a bit more. Um, yeah, I think, um, and I know I'm getting back to this, uh, understanding the difference between the passive system and the active system. It's um, because I, I experienced it and I saw the impact on myself and also my uh, peers and especially those who came from a passive learning syst uh, system. And I think for teachers, understanding the difference and also knowing how to put it into practice And because I had a lot of conversations with my teachers about this and I try to explain it. And most of them knew about the idea itself, the difference between the two systems, but they didn't realize how exactly does it have an impact on the students. And I many times I came across having to tell a teacher, like, I feel either ashamed to ask or I just feel that you're not actually going to take into consideration what I'm saying. You're just being polite and I, I'm the student. I should be the one who just listens to you and that's it, not the other way around. And understanding how that works and how the international students who come from um, the passive learning system have to switch and somehow finding a way of letting them know that it's okay or we can work this out together. You don't have to switch just by yourself and learn all of this yourself. It's something that would, would help a lot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think it's a really nice idea to uh, let universities more work together with study associations or student associations. So uh, when you're coming to a new city, you can already... Uh, have some activities outside school. So you already also get to know people who are not with your same study or in the same classes as you, but just fellow study uh, city uh, people. So maybe that will be ni a nice idea. Thank you. I think these are all really valid opinions and some amazing suggestions. Um, I think what it kind of boils down to is um, that we need to create an inclusive environment that takes into account our differences and involves everyone into the conversation and creates mechanisms and ways to do that efficiently. So um, in order to sort of sum everything up, uh, we have one final soundbite from Carol Fuller from the University of Hroninga. I think internationalization in the classroom is about recognizing the reality of both the academic world and the world of work that the students will enter in the future. Um, that world is, is more global and more connected Uh, than it used to be so it doesn't make sense for us to operate uh, only in a sort of local uh, point of view 
and it would be too narrow for us to do that. So it's not only about having um, different cultures in the classroom or different languages in the classroom. It's it's really about recognizing the reality that the students already live in and will work in if they're not already working. Um, that makes it relevant for everybody, not just the international students in the classroom, but for everyone. And when I'm teaching, I'm trying to to keep that perspective in mind and orient some of our classroom activities around that. Um, so that can affect every activity that we're doing in the classroom. We're thinking about those intercultural skills, cultural skills, uh, international skills that might you know, be important for uh, future work opportunities and future studying. I think pretty much summarizes what we yeah. what, what <laughs> yeah. the three of us agreed yeah. upon yeah. Um, before so um yeah I, I very much see the value in um intercultural competences a lot and um yeah the reality check is also a good thing i mean um, even though we're we're in an international environment once we get into the working market job market maybe even in our home countries we're still kind of the ones that now live in a bubble yeah. a little bit. <laughs> um, when I compare it to my friends' studies at home, it's it's ve it's very different what we do from oh, yeah. what my friends at Definitely. home do, and yeah. we're still somewhat Absolutely. of a, somewhat of a yeah. minority in that sense. Yeah. Um, so we really live in a bubble. Sometimes we need to burst that and have a reality check every now and then. Yeah, and not just study-wise, also like. Um, per the personal life, the per the life outside the university, and yeah. the way we live, and the way our friends back home live. Yeah, so, so you still get to sometimes maybe rely on your family or mm -hmm. other people, and now you're all on your own. So yeah. no matter what you do, if it's outside, if it's in your home or in the at the university, you have to do it, and yeah. you are kind of like aware of all of this. Yeah, or even even smaller. Yeah. Sometimes at at home, it's like what do you mean you have friends that you only speak English to? Well, yeah, what, what other language am I supposed to speak with my friends from all over the world? Yeah, yeah. Of course it's all in English. Of course. Yeah. Well, thank you all very much. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for listening to our podcast on the student journey. This podcast was produced by Katrin Meissner, Rina Fokel de Vries, Peter Elting, Marcel van der Poel, Carol Fuller, Estelle Maima, Justine Jones, and Xiaoming Su. We'd like to thank Wim Brons of Vlakland Kommunikatie for his technical assistance and the Teaching Academy Groningen for their support. Please also listen to the other episodes of our podcast. There are three in total for you to explore. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please rate and review it.